good afternoon. Just to say that this podcast that you're about to hear was recorded with absolutely no script. We had no idea what we were going to talk about before we started talking about the podcast, except that me and Mike wanted to get together, we wanted to have a brief chat, and we basically just wanted to introduce people to the podcast itself. Now, the sound quality does dip out significantly in part two. I'm going to try and fix that as much as we can, but unfortunately I don't think we can. Me and Mike were moving about a bit, I don't have the best microphone in the world, so the volume does take a significant dip. For that I can only apologise, but I will try and fix it and you should still be able to hear us. Other than that, on with the show and enjoy. Thank you. Good afternoon and welcome to Sunday Afternoon Films, although this isn't Sunday, it's actually Friday evening and I think we've done this before. Um, if you don't know who I am, my name is Christopher Windsor, I host the Sunday Afternoon Cinema Podcast with my colleague Mike Larkin. This is part of the Iconothematic website. If you do like what you hear, please consider subscribing to us on both SoundCloud and on, iCl- and on iTunes rather, and please check out the Iconothematic podcast that I do with Derek Anthony Williams every Sunday. So, with all that, hello Mike, how the devil are you? Oh Chris, I'm fine, thanks. Good, so, why did you even want to join me on this thing, on the basis that we've not really spoken about this to begin with anyway? To be honest, I just enjoy talking shite. True, true. It's uh, it's both a hobby and a passion. Um, and to have someone who enjoys talking shite with me, it's too good to pass up. I mean, I think the main thing is, really, especially when I started doing it with Derek and started it doing with Mike, was effectively, look, we just type, look, we just like talking about films, so let's just talk about the films that we like. I mean, me, exactly. and, Derek, me, me and Derek tend to do more up-to-date films, um, me and Mike do films, basically, that I just turn around to Mike and say, hi, I like this film, do you want to do it? Or, or vice versa. I've done, I've done that with you a few times as well. Where you we did, yeah. And we've not always enjoyed the results, but let's face it. Well, I, no, I, I disagree. Well, I don't know. Did you like some of the films I didn't like? This is fucking. Just for the record, this is weird because normally we do this by Skype, and now, <laughs> now I'm having to look at you in the eye, and this is just weird. <laughs> yeah, it's really strange. Where have I gone wrong, mother? <laughs> um. No, it's it's a new experience, but you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll have fun. The people out there will enjoy listening to our basic ramblings. Okay, so let's start with the basic. What would you say is possibly your favourite film? And I know that's somewhat putting you on the spot, but what? Would, well, okay, maybe not your favourite film because I think that's a bit of a difficult question. But what films do you enjoy? Let's put it that way. I, I think I, it's a bit of a mixed bag for me. Um, as you know, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. Yeah. Massive Tarantino fan. Those two guys, in my opinion, they could they could direct the yellow pages. Mm. I and I'd go and see. Yeah, that you know, watch anything they do. My favorite film. It's always number one on my list, and I know it may not be one of yours, but it's the Blues Brothers. It's just a feel good movie. I no matter what movie I'm in, I can go and watch that and just be instantly cheered up. But I know it's not everyone's taste. Some people might find it a bit cheesy or a bit kind of, you know, you don't understand it. For me, it's just a fun, enjoyable movie. And that's what movies are meant to be. You don't always have to be kind of overwrought and melodramatic. You don't need yeah. you don't need Kira Knightley in every scene. Why would you want Kira Knightley in any scene? <laughs> I mean, 
That's not very... I mean, I'm sorry. De- Derek disagreed with me on this an awful lot, apparently. But I saw her in personal shopper recently, and she was terrible. She do- she does do a very passable impersonation of a sponge. He said to me, I can't remember exactly what he said, but basically that she gave a passable acting. And I said, no, I don't believe she can. And honestly, give up. I'm no actor. I, I've never acted before in my life, apart from a god-awful play when I was in my teenagers. And frankly, everyone's better for We've all done that. that. We have. Um, but honestly, I just don't understand her. But listen, we're not here to, to rag on Kira Knightley. Um, okay, so yeah, what films would you say you started growing up with then? I mean, I was remember you saying in the Blues Brothers episode that it was basically the film of your youth. Yeah. But what did you watch in your teenage years, would you say? Ooh, I mean, I, I grew up in the 80s, so... I grew up with the original, the original Terminator, the original Robocop. Yeah. And they, I watched them when they came out. My parents were fortunately cool and trusting enough to actually allow me to oh, watch the, them at that age. The thing, I think the thing with Robocop and with Terminator is the way that they were originally brought out. You probably wouldn't think they were especially bad films to begin with. I mean, Jesus Christ, Robocop. Good. God, I mean, I remember watching that for the first time. It was like, actually, oh, no, so I can't remember if Robocop was the most violent film I've ever seen, or at least at that time. At that time, I mean, at the time, it was a, it was a shockingly violent film. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I, I love the fact that Paul Verhoeven actually had the audacity to release a, a director's cut of Robocop that was thirty seconds longer. Well, thirty <laughs> seconds, you know. <laughs> It makes all the difference, let's but be honest. Those inside 30 seconds were all in one scene, and it was a scene that didn't need to be extended. The thing with Paul Verhoeven, though, is he seems to he seems to be a very... I don't understand him. He makes... You know, he, he obviously made Robocop. You know, he made um, uh, uh, Starship Troopers. Um, he, basic Instinct? Uh, yes, he did do Basic Instinct. Unfortunately. Um... Didn't he make um, Yes, he did make Um and also um what was that film that was recently remade? Um it wasn't Eraserhead. What was the um oh this is about Blade Runner. Didn't he do Blade Runner? No, that was that was Ridley Scott. I could have sworn he'd done Blade Runner, but never mind. But no. I saw recently um a film called L by him. Yeah. And he also he also did Black Book. Which was a, a World War Two drama. I've not even heard of that, to be honest with you. Have you not? Um, I've not seen it myself, but I've heard good reviews about it. and It's all all done in in German, so... Right. I mean, I might check it out. I probably, you know... What, what, what's it about? What's the basic premise? All I know is it's set in World War Two in, in Holland, I think. Right. Um, and that's all I've really heard. Mm. So I couldn't really say if it's a yay or an a whether you should watch it. Um, for me, it's Paul Verhoeven. There's probably gonna be some cyborg strippers in there at some point. Yeah, probably. Even even though it's World War Two, he's not. Let's face it, he's not known for his historical accuracy. Well, I've never seen him try and do a historical accurate film to be perfectly honest with you. So I can't really criticize the man. I don't know. Wasn't was Shogun's historically accurate? Was accurate about anything? Uh, no, it's accurate about about fucking Elizabeth's shoe career. The one thing I remember it was the line where he said, "I'm erect. Why aren't you?" Because I'm a woman. 
anyway, um, so yeah, if you haven't listened to any of the podcasts, we do basically ramble for an awful lot of time. We also, we also, and I hope this continues because it's one of my favourite parts of the show, and I'm sure that people will agree. We do spend a lot of time insulting Michael Bay. I feel sorry for Michael Bay. I really do because I think we bash him way too much. The man's a multi-multi-millionaire who's made his fame and fortune from selling shit. Yeah, How can you feel sorry for him? Because the thing is, at least he knows what he's doing. At least he knows his market. Y- you know, you look at fucking George Lucas. The man could not direct his way out of a paper bag, and everybody knows it. And yet, he doesn't seem to get nearly as much shit as Michael Bay. George Lucas knows his limitations. That's why he lets Spielberg no, he do doesn't. all the work. No, he doesn't, because he made episode one to three. He commissioned that. Exactly. So he knows his limits. That doesn't mean he should do it. Let's face it. He handed off Howard the Duck. <laughs> well, I don't care about Howard the Duck. It was He handed off all the other episodes of Star Wars. Okay, the okay. good ones... The good ones were all directed by other people. Admittedly the shit so. ones were all done by George Lucas. So he knows his so. limitations. Okay, well, let's not... Let's, actually, no, let's face it, he's not Justin Bieber trying to say, look, I'm the new Michael Jackson. Hey, you leave Justin Bieber alone. I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> I don't even know why I said that. Okay, I mean, let's... Okay, let's... You know, fuck it, let's talk about the Star Wars films. Um, okay, so obviously we had four to six initially, and the, some of the, the best the films of the actual trilogy, the yeah. act, you know, the original trilogy, you know, as as um, as as Randall says in Clerks Two, there's only one return. It's not the, it's not the King, it's, it's the, the Jedi. Empire. Sorry, the Jedi. Sorry, yes, we know about films. <laughs> um, so, do you remember when you first saw them? Yeah, I. Early mid eighties. I mean, you're far older than me, so you know, when you're on like you know, whippersnapper, penny farthings, and saying things like Wentz model- and uh, hence and yeah, friends and when hence. the Model C was born. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Now I, I saw it early to mid eighties when when the, what I call the true trilogy came out, yes, which was the original is. cinematic cut, um, and I've seen the re-edited version. Which one? The well, uh, it was it was just before episode one came out. Was it the, the remastered? Well, was it the HD? Was it the Blu-ray? Was it the, the HD, HD or Blu-ray? Was it back? Was you know because there were so many, it's easy to lose track. Well, let's face it, there are, there are more cuts than a, than a fucking a, a circumcision really party. Oh, last lad, I'm, I'm I thought you were going to go for some kind of a self-harm reference there. Uh, uh, didn't. Um, but, yeah. Um, we're talking just before episode one was released and the remastered and the added all the all the extra footage. I don't know why, because it just I mean Family Guy have done a skit where it, you know pops up in the in their Star Wars trilogy with like a sock great, puppet. Great series of episodes, <laughs> they really were. So it was though it was those ones that I saw last. Uh, to be honest, I could leave them at the door. I'd rather have the original cinematic version that I grew up with and that my brother grew up with. Because it was my brother who got me into them. Because mm. uh, my brother's the biggest Star Wars geek going. He had all the figures growing up. Um, so, yeah, can I blame him for it? I mean, I think the thing about the Star Wars trilogy is ultimately 
Yes, they are sci-fi films. They are science fiction films. There's no getting away from that. But ultimately, there's so much they, more than that. They are still stories that just happen to be set in, in a sci-fi related area. They, they're not Star Wars. The they're not. Sorry, they are Star Wars. They're not Star Trek. <laughs> I'll edit that. They're not Star <laughs> Trek. They're not um, other science fiction films that I don't know because I'm not really in sci-fi. I mean, basically, it's it's a space soap opera. Effectively, yes. And that's that's the, basically the way Lucas sold it. Mm. It's a soap opera set in space, and that's exactly what it is. It could easily you could easily put the same characters in a spaghetti western. Very much so. I mean, and I mean, it would still work. It would still translate. I mean, obviously, everybody knows that every film ever created is effectively just a retelling of the Seven Samurai, but you know. Bridesmaids, yes, really, yes. You're saying you're saying Kurosawa inspired Bridesmaids. Yep. I've just lost a lot of respect for Kurosawa <laughs> because of that. What's wrong with Bridesmaids? In fairness, Bridesmaids was a perfectly fine film. It was just the first one that came to mind. <laughs> um, okay then. Yeah. Okay. The Invention of the Lion. Kurosawa inspired. Ricky Gervais. Okay, okay, I'll give you that. Ricky Gervais had nothing. To, sorry, Kurosawa had nothing to do with that big oh, wank. And in fact, you know, I you've never seen it, have you? I haven't. I tell you what, we'll watch it. No, I'm we won't. To, you know, we, we will. Won't. I want, I want you to watch. Not. I want you to watch it just to see what you think of it. To be honest, every time I see Ricky Gervais on the TV, you want to hit The it. only thing I want to do is kick the TV, <laughs> just to stop the pain from happening. And the only thing that stops me is the fact that I have to buy a new TV on a very regular basis. No, that's completely fair enough. Um, I've, Ricky Gervais, he's... he's uh, I, don't, I don't understand why he finds himself so funny. I don't understand why people find him funny. I really don't understand. I don't... Again, no, I, you know, I, I can't understand people finding him funny. I can't understand why he finds himself so funny. He laughs at all his own jokes. I think the same thing about James Corden. Yes, you know the I most the most pointless that. man in comedy history. And when did, when did a series come out when people just sat in a car and what? Yeah, how, how is that a thing? Oh, oh is it about carpool karaoke? Or? Yeah, how? Because I thought you were talking about Peter Kay's car share, which is oh, actually that too. funny. It's just the same program, effectively. No, car share is actually funny. It's it's worth watching, what? just just for the radio piss takes, especially if you ever listen to radio in Cheshire, because some one of three point nine, uh, Cheshire Silk, is a perfect station to lampoon. I mean, didn't didn't Steve Coogan basically do the same thing almost with um, Arm Parsons? Yeah, but it was like with Miriam or something. What films do you enjoy watching, Chris? To be honest, I seem to vary from period to period. There's no one genre I especially look out for. It's are any particular directors that always always get your interest? Anyone French? Anyone Japanese? No, in all seriousness, though. I mean, French directors, aren't they? Really? No, my film viewership has changed so much over the past couple of years it really has i used to really be into horror films 
um, I used to, to an extent, love action films. I mean, you know. But recently, I've got to say, I've been enjoying more rom-coms and more emotional films. And like we back on to Keira Knightley? No, we're not on to Keira Knightley at all. Um, but more films that ask you to give something to a film. And the best way I can sum it up is complex human emotions. Look yeah, at you your character to me, rather, yeah. rather than, yeah, kill the bad guys! Mm. For me, I mean, right, I'm loath to say that I love I love one film over the other. But if I had to name a couple of films off the top of my head that I consider to be fantastic and brilliant films, it would have to be films like Casablanca. It would have to be um, The Last Picture House. It would have to be um, Gone, uh, Gone with the Wind, Dead Poet Society, you know. The these, classics. Yeah, these films that I think people don't necessarily give a chance to. The thing is, I still don't understand why people think that Citizen Kane is such a fantastic film. But I think what I've learned with these films is that you need to have a certain amount of life experience to be able to appreciate them. You know what I mean? I do, absolutely. Um, um, I think Citizen Kane, I've never seen Citizen Kane. And it's one that I need to fill in my viewing experience. Um, I mean, what what the one thing I love the most about Citizen Kane, really, and and it's and it's a bit strange, but the thing I love the most about Citizen Kane was um, an episode of The Simpsons yeah. where they they go into like it's a mock planet Hollywood, and they're like, oh look, it's the Kane from Citizen Kane. Wait a minute, there was no Kane in Citizen Kane, yeah. and it's just stupid, but it makes me laugh. And I don't, and I don't also the film. I don't really appreciate why people love it so much is. I don't get 2001 Space Odyssey. I yeah. don't understand why that's such a big deal that people make it out to be. Kubrick, for me, is, is working very hit and miss. Mm. Some of it I can go, yeah, undoubtedly that is a work of genius. Yeah. For me, Full Metal Jacket is one of the finest war movies you will ever see. Yeah. And it's a hard film to watch, but it's a film of two parts. You see, very much in film with two parts because you've got the boot camp in the beginning mm. up until the part where Private Pile, let's say, goes off the reservation. Mm. Um, and then it goes from being a, a, a movie about you know these, these rookies who haven't experienced war to sometime later in the midst of war mm. where the, you know, and it becomes a completely different movie within the same film. And it looks like it's being directed by two different people. I mean, for me, I think the best war film I've ever seen, and I'm not even sure if it necessarily counts as a war film as such, is Guy X. Guy is very much a war film. With, you know, because um, it's basically a war film where no war is happening at all. Yeah, it's, it's, the guy it's from, very strange. It's the guy from American Pie. It is, Jason Biggs. Jason Biggs and he's a fantastic and actor. Ma- Michael Ironside. Yes. Guy X. Mm. For those of you who don't know, basically, Guy X is based on a um, based on a book um, called No One Thinks of Greenland, and the idea, although in the film, because of filming limitations, it wasn't filmed in Greenland at all. 
Um, it was filmed in the Antarctic. And basically, the idea of it was that the American military have a... what is a, It's not a prisoner of war camp as such. It's a rehabilitation clinic. Mm-hmm. And when people go into this rehabilitation, rehabilitation clinic, rather... They don't necessarily come out. And it's based on actual facts. You know, as I say, it's based on a book. It's based on actual fact that maybe these people don't actually get out alive. It's basically Guantanamo, but for Americans. Not quite as bad as Guantanamo Bay, but yes. Um, effectively. Um, sorry, I've just, looked, I've just moved the microphone there, people. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just... I'm just so tired, I think, of certain films that are coming out of Hollywood. I mean, I, I've seen far better films. Th- this year has been a cracking year for films, one way or the yeah. other. And now that I come to think of films I've seen this year, I'm actually struggling. But God damn, it's been a good year oh, so far. Rogue One this year. Uh, was what, that, was that this year? I think it was last, last year. It was last year, tailing into this year. I mean... Last at the at the tail end at the tail end of last year, um, me and Derek did a rundown of the best films that we thought were the best in two thousand sixteen, and I don't know if you heard the episode, uh, um, but not, my number one film was Room. I haven't seen that yet, and uh, it blew me away. I mean, do you know what the basic story of it is? Oh uh, no, fill me in. Okay, so basically, it's about this girl who gets kidnapped at, I believe, the age of 15 or 16, around that area. Anyway, she's in high school. Um, <clears throat> she gets put into this, um, what is effectively a garden shed. And through the person who kidnaps her, um, ends up having a child due to rape. And she decides when he turns, I believe he's five years old, she basically says, look, we can't be here anymore. We've got to get out. We can't live like this. We've got to move on. And she has a real hard time convincing him that they have to get out because this is all he's known. He he knows nothing else. It's not a case of Stockholm Syndrome because he was born into it. Very much so. Because, you know, she's saying, look, these things on TV that you're watching, some of them are real, some of them aren't. And he can't distinguish between the two because he doesn't know any better. Yeah. And it's all about... Well, it's not all about her escape because to give spoilers away, she manages to escape. But that's not the end of the matter because ultimately what the film is then about is about her adjusting to life. And it's just... Sad. It's just... I... And honestly, it's, it's the best thing I've seen Brie Larson in. She is just, and honestly, Brie Larson is an amazing actress. Apart from Free Fire, um, you know, she she is fantastic, and she was also in a very good film uh, made a couple of years ago, um, called Oh God, and now I can't remember, but it was a very good film nonetheless, and you should check it out. Honestly, yes, it is. You've got your phone. She she is a really good actress because she she was also in Community, which I was sort of seeing before the TV series. Yeah, uh, playing a character in that. It was something 12 or... Alison Brie. Uh, Brie oh, Larson. Sorry, Brie Larson. Alison Brie was also in Community, which is why. Yeah. Um, she was in, actually, uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Oh, was she? She was, yeah. I saw that a few years ago. I never really... I don't know. Uh, didn't 21 Jump Street? No, no. Short Term 12. That was it, Short Term 12. And basically, the idea of short-term 12, for those of you who've not seen it, 
is it's a film about a girl who works in a temporary housing complex that looks after children between the age of 12 and 18 who have been abandoned by their parents and basically have no life and it's beautifully romantic and it's beautifully it's depressing it's 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 heart-wrenching but it's beautiful and i mean this is the thing right is um you and i i think we discussed this a while ago that we expose each other to different genres and to different films that we wouldn't necessarily have seen well, so think, to begin with it's the best way to go about film really is just yeah. that way rather than Rather than going to your local, you can't even go to your local blockbuster. No, my, no, it's, it's um, it went the way of the dodo. But rather than going to your local video store and you know pick up a movie that you know going from word of mouth, mm. and you introduced me recently to to Green Room. Yeah, yeah, uh, which was one of the most tense, intimidating, rough, violent, nasty films, and I loved it. What drew you to it in the first place? Because you and I had never spoken about it. Well, we had spoken briefly. Oh, was that on the Valentine special? I think we'd spoken about it in the Valentine special about horror movies, and you you mentioned it a couple of times. But I'd seen an interview in probably Empire magazine, mm. and it was just a brief kind of half-page rundown, and talking, talking to Patrick Stewart about it, and Patrick Stewart saying how he read the script, he'd been sent the script, Obviously, he's sitting at home reading it one night, and he became so frightened reading the script, knew, knowing what his character was, that he went round the house locking up <laughs> and making sure all the doors and windows were shut, God and then carrying great. on reading the script. Yeah, and that's why he that's why he took the role, because he thought you know, I've got to take that role now because because it, it's had that effect on me. Yeah, um, so I picked it up to that kind of piece of empire a, a while back about starting production uh, I'd heard a few things about it after it was released and it was one, It was always on my radar to, to watch it at some point yeah but it's one of those where you kind of put it on the back burner and does it ever get watched yeah and it was because I really wanted to watch it that's why I picked it up when I mean, when we came to do the episode about it. I mean, one film that not necessarily review, but I really think you should watch is The Witch. Because mm-hmm. it is a fantastic horror film. But it's not a horror film in the sense that it's deeply horrific. It's just a beautifully crafted film about hysteria yeah. more than anything else. And I mean, I don't want to give anything away because I really, you know, I'll let a lend this to you before, you before you go so you can watch it. Um, but both me and Derek said, God damn, that was a good film. I mean, the the interesting thing is, about The Witch, <laughs> is depending on who you're talking to, depends on the reaction that you'll get. Um, I spoke to my father about The Witch, because the main protagonist, the, the main bad guy, as it were, if yeah. you, you know, and I hate using that phrase, but there we are and here you are, was a goat called Black Philip. And throughout the film, you heard people saying, Black Philip, Black Philip, and then you had this ghost in the corner going, bah, 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 and fuck me, it was scary. Yeah. For no reason. But God damn it, it was terrifying. See, I mean, there are films that kind of, they can be scary without ever being overtly scary. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
and one of the masters of this in my in my opinion is Stephen King mm. of making the mundane macabre. Yeah. Um and his most effective horror stories for me are the ones that aren't overtly horror. So the likes of the Green Mile, which is a very it's a human drama. It's one of the most horrific stories he's ever written. Because you've got this story of an innocent man who's on death row for no other reason than he trying to do the right thing. He's trying to save these two little girls. And at the end of it, you know, he, where he's going, oh, I'm dog tired, boss, I'm tired, I want to go to sleep. And how, how can any man, woman or child not be in tears by the end of that movie? And that for me, they're the kind of horror films that really kind of grab you. Rather than having the jump scare every, th- every 30 seconds, or the possessed dog creeping out. Yeah. Um, so talk about dolls. <laughs> Fuck dolls. We don't need that in horror films. What we need is good, tense writing. Yeah, you do. I mean, ultimately, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, you know, I don't want to go on too much about horror films, because that's not really the point of, the, of this evening. But still, the best horror films, in my opinion, are ones that, like you say, can change your opinion or make you think differently about how you are in normal everyday today. I mean, I think I said this in the horror podcast again, that when I watched The Ring, it terrified me. Yeah. It did. But what got me the most was the cursed video. Yeah. And, you know... um, I'd read the book, I'd seen the film, and when it finally came on DVD, it was like, God damn, I need to watch this film. And for those of you who haven't watched it on DVD, um, you know, and we're talking about the original... Um, Ringu. We're, we're talking about the original Ringu by Koji Suzuki. Um, you can watch, as part of the extras, um, Full the video, reel. and it says, before it starts that the makers of the film take no responsibility for anything that may happen to you prior to watching this film. Which that, for me, as soon as I put that on, that would put the shit, the shit is off me. Oh, I'd have it, to go back to the menu. Oh, it did. I mean, I watched it, but at the same, but before I did, all I was thinking was, I don't want to watch this. Why, why do I want to watch this? And even though, in the back of my mind, it's like, it's a film. It's not real. I know it's not, but even so, God Damn it, it had that much of an effect on me. It's taking me back to the mid-90s, and I think it was 1993, 94, Halloween. Yes. And one on the channel, I think it was Bravo. Mm. Oh, my God. For listeners of a certain age. Yes. Had a a horror double bill, and it was a a Tony Todd. Bravo, rather rather amazingly, for showing WCW at one stage. They did. Yay, we got wrestling um, in. I had to work it in somewhere. But they had a Tony Todd double bill and it was the remake of David of Do- Night of the Living Dead. Right. And followed by Candyman. Oh god. And that was my fa- kind of first experience. Mm. It was the first time I'd ever seen I'd seen the original Night of the Living Dead, but I'd never seen the remake. And then followed by Candyman. And I knew it was daft. But kind of when the break came on, I went through to the bathroom, and on the way to the bathroom there was a mirror. And I thought I'll stand there, Candyman, and I got to got to the fourth Candyman, <laughs> and I went, shit, better stop. 
Oh, I, 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 again, I think we said this, but I had the exact same experience from um, an episode of The X-Files where they're standing from where saying one Bloody Mary, two mm. Bloody Mary. And again, I did the same thing. It's, it's based on the same legend. It's, I think it's the same premise, although I, I don't know if... Well, Bloody Mary was the original legend. Yeah, I mean, was that is that an actual thing? Is Bloody Mary Bloody an actual Mary is an thing? Actual, Bloody Mary you know? is an actual like, American legend. Candyman was based on the legend of Bloody Mary. Um, I mean, apart from the... Apart from the... There was a damn good episode of the X-Files in general. Um... You know, um, I think, I think the, episode, the episodes are still out for me with the Eugene Tombs episodes. Oh, of course, uh, Squeeze and Tombs. Yeah, two possibly the finest episodes of TV ever produced. And again, scary TV. I mean, you put that in a movie, and you would sell out the cinema. But because it was on TV, people kind of underestimated. I think how, yeah. just how effective it could be. Uh, two of the finest episodes of TV you can ever watch, and just incredibly tense throughout. And fine acting as well. And the actor who plays Eugene Tombs again was in The Green Mile. Oh, okay. Uh, played one of the played one of the wardens. He played played the the most disliked. Of the wardens, mm. I think he he plays that kind of character incredibly well. Yeah. Um, he, he was also in something else I've watched recently, actually. Uh, playing playing a kind of bad guy. I don't even um, know what he's up to anymore. I know he married a, a much younger woman, which was kind of controversial. Good for him, I guess. Hang on, how much younger are we talking here? Like thirty years. How old was he at the time? I. Th- I can't remember how. Was it legal? It was le. It was legal in a barely. Was it? Was it legal in certain states? Sort of illegal. Legal in Alabama. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Let's say no more because I don't think we're going to have anyone from Alabama listening to this. But I don't want to insult a bunch of rednecks. Ah! Read your Bibles. What are you saying, boy? (laughs) We got a pretty mouth, boy. Okay, let's stop. <laughs> let's stop. Jesus Christ. Ah, um, uh, yeah, and you're always stopping the banjos come out. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so let's let's talk about one of our favorite, one of our combined favorite directors. Now we've already covered Clerks. Let's just talk briefly about Kevin Smith. I mean, let's not go into the major films because we're obviously going to release them as individual podcasts. Yeah. But what do you think it is about the Kevin Smith films that are so fantastic? Uh, he doesn't have Ben Affleck in him anymore. He needs more Affleck. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. 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 More Affleck, more Damon. They were fantastic. Good, they... Good Will Hunting too. Uh, Hunting season. <laughs> Applesauce, bitch. <laughs> so, what do you... F- I mean, obviously the storylines are very differently. And again, you know, we don't want to go into them too much. But he seems to... He seems to be one of those directors that just seems to be able to get people involved. You I, know. I think it's because he, you know, he's, you know, he did, the, he tried the film school thing, but he kind of dropped out. Yeah. So he didn't really uh, even complete it. I mean, if you know, you obviously know the, the story of uh, of Clerks, where yeah, yeah, start work at six a.m., finish at eleven, film until four a.m. 
and then sleep until six and open up the shop again for work. I mean, doing that for a month, doing that, I mean, even doing that for a week sounds like it would be exhausting to me. I mean, I think what what really is proof from directors like um, Kevin Smith and indeed Quentin Tarantino is that if you've got an idea, you can do it. Um, I mean, they, I mean, they just they have for that. For those guys, I think they did just had a vision, and they were going to do it no matter what. Yeah. And look at Tarantino's earliest work. Mm. And forget true romance because Oliver Stone. Well, yeah. Can't, yeah. We can't screw the pooch on that. We'll forget. We've already discussed be off a killing Zoe. Yes, he was purely an executive producer, so it doesn't count. We've agreed to ignore that. I mean, I think. So you look at yeah. Dogs. Yeah, let, let's start with dogs, right? That is, what was your first experience with that dogs? That is one of the most raw pieces of film I've ever seen. I loved every minute of it. Yeah. It, you, it kept you guessing, even though you knew who the good guys were, who the bad guys were. There was always a line, and it was, it was always slightly smudged. You couldn't quite tell. And what yeah. I think, what I liked about Reservoir Dogs, and I'm not sure if it was a new thing at the time or if it was just something that I'd never seen before, was the playing about with the timeline and going all <coughs> over the place. I wouldn't want to say that if you filmed and showed Reservoir Dogs in a in the timeline that it was meant to have been, it would have been a better or it would have been a worse film. But it seems to just work the way that it did. It did, I think. Tarantino was incredibly well. Apparently, somebody did that with Pulp Fiction mm. and recut it into the original timeline. Right. And it made no sense. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, if you watch it, if you watch all the segments and all that, it just it, it makes. I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense, but less sense than if you watch it in the way it's intended. Yeah. Um, which kind of. Because I mean, I remember watching it when it came out, and I'm going. Hang on, he's just been shot yes. five minutes ago. How <laughs> oh, is he still alive? Yeah. yeah. Why is he back there? And and apart from anything else, you you've got to imagine when he first took that to the to the executives at Miramax, and you basically kill off your biggest star in Hollywood in the first ten minutes. It's like, what? We saw Travolta. Yeah. Uh, he know. wasn't the biggest star in Hollywood. He, well, he was fairly large, let's be honest. Paul Fiction made him large. No, I screw with that. I think he was I think he was a fair fair actor before that. Uh, he, I think I think the last popular film he'd done before that was what he was talking to. Greece. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that was a horrible film as well. Let's not get talking about this. No, no, actually, if we can all talk about films, let's talk about Greece. It's terrible. It's morally, it's, terrible. In, it's morally repre- reprehensible. It's, it, it's, yeah, it's, 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 um, I can't find a single redeeming quality about it, apart from, the one good thing about it is that all the characters might actually be dead. The thing is, right, is what, what it basically teaches us is that, you can start out as a really nice person in the at the very beginning and not have anyone interested in you at all. But if you become a slut who smokes, suddenly you're this week's hot dinner. How is that a decent moral? It reminds me of fucking, um, you know, as far as morally reprehensible films are concerned, you know, on not on quite the same level, but similar is Mamma Mia. 
Never seen it. You know what it's about, though, right? No. Okay, basically, Mamma Mia, for I, those who haven't seen it... We don't need to. It's, it's based on the song by ABBA, and here's the storyline. And daughter asks her mother at some point in her age, I can't remember exactly what the age is, but she says, Mama, who's my real dad? And her mum turns around and says, Well, my daughter, I can't remember. I don't know why she talks to the Is she from but... Alabama? No, she's not. And I'm not sure why I'm talking <laughs> in this accent. So let's just go back to my regular accent. Okay, so basically, I'm going to start this again. Basically, her daughter turns around to her mother and says, Mother, who is my real father? Her I mother, her mother effectively says, guys. I don't know, but it's one of these three guys. And then in a jovial, joyful, let's sing, let's dance, ah! She tries to find her. Basically, her mom's saying, I'm a massive slut. I sit with at least three different people, and I don't know who your dad is. Good luck finding out. How is that a good story? See, That's the, terrible. See, the bit where you lost me there was when you said it's based on a song by... Any film that's based on a is. song. Hey, you leave Abba alone. Abba were not terrible. Yes, they were. They, Actually, yes, they, they were. inspired Steps. Really? Yes, yeah, Steps oh, are the couple of versions. Um, yeah, I'm going to let's just ignore, get off the whole musical genre because there's. A... <laughs> Hang on. Okay, what? I'll throw a musical at you. Go on. South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. Is that a musical though? Yes. Fair enough, it wasn't. It was nominated for an Oscar. For it was a musical. Culture. It was nominated for an Oscar for Best virtually, Original Song. It was virtually all the way through as a musical. It was, as I say, it was nominated for the Oscar for yeah. Best Original Song, but it was only because they wouldn't change the lyrics to Uncle Fucker. As well, they shouldn't. That the, uh, the Academy withdrew the nomination. <laughs> so much, uh, much complaint. I, w- I wouldn't class that as a, as a... It was blatantly a musical. It was a musical spin-off from a TV show. <sighs> no, uh, it was. The next thing you're going to tell me is that 8 Mile wasn't a musical. I've never seen 8 Mile. You've never seen 8 Mile? No. no. I'm not going to. Why not? Why didn't you want to see it? I think musicians should stay within their particular niche. Unless they show a particular talent for acting. Hmm. That's been proven beforehand. Then they should tell him. And Eminem for uh, me didn't I don't quite know. prove I thought it. Was, I thought it was good in there. Curtis Jackson is the exact point of that because he's also in it. Fifty Cent. Was he in it? I think so. I don't really remember that. I really hope he wasn't. Mind you, what I mean. Uh, well, there's I'm, guess, saying, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of the rap, rap genre. Anyway, I was going to so. say. I guess you haven't seen Straight Outta Compton then. No, but I'm actually interested by that one. It was a fantastic film. Yeah. You know, it really and, was. You know, there's some authentic, authenticity to it because it has got and, Ice Cube. Um, is Ice Cube or Ice Cube? Um, no. It's got, it's got his son in it. Oh, uh, sorry. Yes, of course it has. What the fuck am I talking about? Yes, it does. Um, and of course, we've got coming out soon um, All Eyes on Me, um, the film about Tupac. Oh, I'm Tupac. I'm not a. I'm not a massive fan of Tupac, I've got to say. I mean, I'm not really a massive Is it a film or is it a documentary? As far as I know, it's a film about his life story. Right. To my knowledge. I mean, I've not seen much about it. I know they're publicising it with actual images of Tupac. So I wasn't wasn't quite sure. I mean, one thing they they definitely are including is Shug Knight. So they're obviously going to expand upon Shug Knight and what he was like and how he, you know... He's the full spectrum of the rock world, I believe. Uh, very much so. I mean, <laughs> he didn't come across any good lights in Straight Outta Compton, I've got to say. 
Anyway, we're just going to take a, pic a quick break because we have been talking for a long time. So please join us in part two. Right. So, I think for... Oh, look, the wave's working. Yay, it's going up and it's going down. It's going up and it's going down. Sorry, I get far too excited when Adobe Audition actually works. So, I think for newcomers, the main thing that I think is worth discussing is what can they expect from yours and I's reviews? Uh, that's not very grammatically correct. I, I mean, I, I don't think anything expected to always agree, which I think is a good thing. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't even planned. Sorry. You agree about it not agreeing? I concur. <laughs> <laughs> See, I know posh language. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You used to work in a law office, it's not that fancy. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think you can expect them not to always agree, but to always respect each other's opinions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, although I think we can agree on the fact that Michael Bay is generally awful in this Leave case. Michael Bay alone! No! <laughs> he deserves everything he gets. I mean, I think the thing is, with the two of us, is we obviously both have very deep-seated deep opinions. We, I think, I think we're very... I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that we're opinionated, but we have well, actually opinions. we are. I fucking, I, fucking hell, I am opinionated. And if you don't believe me, just listen to me shouting at Derek um, when I tell him he's wrong, and listen to him telling me I'm wrong um, about certain things. But I mean, opinions are good, because like, that's what you said, we never have any original ideas No. without listening to other people's opinions. I think what you can come to expect from us is that we will look at a film, and look, the bottom line is, and I've said this on the, um, on the blurb of the podcast itself, is... We, okay, for a start, we don't consider ourselves to be the best podcasters in the world. We're currently sat in my study speaking on a cheap microphone from an iMac that was built in 2007, so we are not by any means professional. But, and we're also not professional film critics, ultimately. God knows I would love to be paid. Is there such a thing as a professional film critic? Can there is. Can you really? Yeah. I mean, I know there is, but... I to God. And that shows how unprofessional we are because Mike didn't turn his phone on silent, you son of a bitch. Put it on silent. It's on silent. Honestly. I have to work with him, people. You just can't get the staff, can you? You cannot, even when you're not paying them. Um, yeah, Mark Mode. Yeah, he's the only person I'd actually call a professional critic because he does criticise everything. He's a god. Although, I've got to say, I've got to say... I've got, that, to, right? I've got to say I'm jealous of his hair. He's got fantastic If hair. you're not jealous of that quiff, there's something wrong with you, frankly. Yeah. I mean, I've got to say, though, having listened to some of his critiques in the past, and indeed recently, I don't necessarily agree with everything that he has to say. Um, you know. Again, I think it would be a very dull world if we all agreed with each other. Um... And God knows I spend most of my time going out of my way to disagree with people. Yeah. Even yeah. if I agree with them. I would disagree with them just out of pure spite. <laughs> but this this is the thing and we'll we will you know, we won't play favourites, I don't think. No. It's, I mean it's not I, well to be fair no, I think there I mean, is a certain amount of favouritism in general because I mean, ultimately we won't pick films that we don't want to watch to begin with. We won't, but I think I think we'll push each other to kind of watch the films that we wouldn't necessarily always watch. Mm. We've done that recently with the Blazing Saddles episode. 
Yeah, it's true. In case you haven't heard it, folks, I love the. I think it's a comedy classic. Chris hates it because of the. No, I didn't. No, 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 no. I didn't say I hated it. I said I didn't see what the big deal of it was. That's a very. That's the same as saying you hate it. No, it's not. I mean, for example, just 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 to give an example, um, there was a podcast I used to listen to many years ago. Sadly, it's no longer going. um, Called Yeah, it's that bad. Um, it was a very funny podcast. It's still out there. You can get on iTunes if you look for it. And basically, the whole idea of it was, it was um, three lads who were very funny, who would take a film that had done very badly on Rotten Tomatoes, and they'd reevaluate the score and say, is it really that bad of a movie? Um, some classic examples were Street Fighter. Um, it really is that bad of a movie. It really is that bad of a movie. Wicker Park was up there. Starship Troopers was up there. I don't think Starship Troopers is a bad movie. It's not. Starship Troopers is a fantastic. Um, I'm trying to think of other Starship Troopers did. gave us Neil Patrick Harris as he currently exists. So, saying that though, have you seen Harold and Kumar? No. Any of the Harold and Kumar films? No, I can't say how. Neil Patrick Harris plays himself. He is fantastic. I mean, he's a good actor, Neil Patrick Harris, I won't lie. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, right, with that film, is they obviously deliberately went out to look for films that people considered to be bad, and then basically said, well, come on, we've got to find something good in a these redeeming films. quality. And most of the time, well, he didn't. But <laughs> it was still but entertaining. Tried. Yeah, but then again, <laughs> if you want to listen to, you know, um, if you want to listen to people talking about genuinely good films, that you could consider to be classics, I would really recommend checking out movies you should see from the Simply Syndicated Network. Plug, 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 they're not paying me. Um, but, you know... Pay us. Pay us, pay us Richard Smith! Please listen, Richard Smith! Even if I send you obnoxious emails on tech, you'll leave it. Um, I have no idea who Richard Smith is. I'm not sending obnoxious emails, but please pay me. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, we will have different opinions, and that's... It's something something we can both agree on is that we should have these different opinions. There are films you think are classics that I think I will kind of go. Yeah. What films would you say that I've mentioned to you in the past that you thought Ugh, about? Because uh, I haven't really got any that I think that way. I don't, I don't think you have, but there may be at some point a film that I go, yeah, I'm not too sure about. And there are probably films I've mentioned to you where you've gone, I'm not too sure about that one. Yeah. Um. I know my t- my taste is varied. I can go from you know watching the Terminator to watching God Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction <laughs> to watching the part of Stand Up Guys. Um, Avengers and, Sevenfold. Sorry, we're looking at posters in my room at the moment. Um, yeah, in fairness, and I can go from them and quite happily go to something like Gremlins, oh. which I think is is a classic Christmas movie. Okay, what would you say is the greatest Christmas movie while we're talking about Christmas? Oh, it's a two-way tie. Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. How is Lethal Weapon a Christmas film? It's set at Christmas. Is it? It starts off with Jingle Bell Rock. <laughs> you see, I How can say, you get more Christmassy? You see, I would say, and admittedly they're both based on the same story. Okay, okay. What was the best Christmas Carol film ever made? Based on the Christmas Carol premise. Scrooge. How would you say it compares to Muppet's Christmas Carol? With Michael Caine! The action My name is Michael Caine. And, I mean, no, he's in hate, but that was a lot. He never said that, obviously, but yeah. 
He did on Graham Norton last week. Oh, did he? I yeah. I was watching that. Uh, he was at, he's, sorry, he was, at a, he was at a party in the 80s. And um, this, this foreign lady, the ho- hostess, kind of starts looking at him very, with a kind of beady eye. Yeah. And went up to him and said, You a drug dealer? I went, No, why? He said, Well, she said, well, Why is everyone saying about my cocaine? <laughs> And it's because of the way he, he was pronouncing the name, because all these people were picking up on his accent and he was going, Mark Alkine. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just the big, biggest mess on the town. But I have going, this guy's been around since the 60s. He played Alfie. He was in the Italian job. How can you not know who Michael Caine is? Okay. What do you think about trilogies that don't necessarily pan out? Now, the reason I say that is because we mentioned Die Hard. Now, technically, you could say that that isn't a trilogy anymore because they've made on, they've gone on to make subsequent films. Trilogy. They've gone to make subsequent films. But Die Hard Two was diabolical. Die Hard, yeah, Die Hard Two was basically Die Hard and Airport. Yeah, um, it was a good game. I don't know if you ever played it on the PS One with the. Oh, with Die the Hard Trilogy. That was great a good game. set of that games. Was a great, the third one was the best in that in that game. No, though. the second one was the best when you ran around with a light gun. Yeah, I never had the light gun though, I only had the joypad. Well, you see, what Paul. Um, <laughs> no, it was a great set of games though, but yeah, what? Okay, let's start off with the best trilogy. What would you say is the best trilogy in the world? Let's take Star Wars out of the equation because that's an obvious one. What would you say is one of the. Of all the trilogies you've seen, which would you say would stand out for you? Back to the Future. Okay, why Back to the Future? It's got everything. You've got incest, rape. <laughs> <laughs> The bad guy takes over the world. Yes, he does. Hallelujah, Donald Trump. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's coming true now, folks. Um, it's, what did you think of the third one? Because it seemed to get panned. I mean, I enjoyed I, it. I, I really enjoyed the third one. And I don't even know the story behind the third, you know, where they did the hanging scene well, with Martin McFly. You know, it's basically like a western. Well, you know, they did the scene where they hung them. Yes. Michael J. Fox was actually hung in that scene. He actually passed out because the, the rig around his neck. Now that's didn't committed work to a plot. And it was only because the director recognised, hang on, I've called cut and he's still act. He's not acting. <laughs> and he reckons that's what, that's what gave him the Parkinson's now. It's possible. But he, that, I mean, that's the scene that was in the movie. Mm. Is where he was hung. That he's actually he's actually choking to death in yeah. that scene. I mean, there is there are an awful lot of things wrong with those set of films. Let's be honest. Again, we, I mean, it was originally trying to trying to sell it to Disney. I mean, what exactly was the relationship of Doc and Marty about? Uh, that was that was uh, inappropriate. I think I think it's what we. <laughs> uh, I think Operation Use you would have to look into that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it could just be the simple story of, it, of an old guy and his young teenage friend. Yes. Um, nothing inappropriate whatsoever. No, not at all. So, of course, I mean, you and I are both rather jaded about that type of thing now, I think. Um, what about old men and young boys? Yeah. I'd like to think I've always been jaded about that. Yeah, I think I have. <laughs> Um, 
always had a deep mistrust of, of wacky professors with the wacky mad professor hair. indeed yeah yes. um, so yeah I mean, I'm trying to think of other trilogies that I've seen that I really enjoyed. I mean, the um, the Free Cornetto trilogy the, the is... Three, I, I mean, that's, it's a kind of loosely based trilogy, because it's not... Into, apart from the cast members and the directors, it's not really connected. Uh, I, I mean, maybe it's just something that fans have kind of forced together because think, they want it to be. I think, it's, I mean, something longer, I really enjoy the movies and I really enjoy Frost and Peg. Um... I don't know if you can class that as a, as a true trilogy in the same way, Back, mm. Back to the Future, you know, Star Wars, yeah. all the rest of it. I mean, the thing for me that I, I, I know the film that I remember from a trilogy as well as Die Hard 2 that really disappointed. Although that being said, rewatching it recently has made me think it's not a terrible film. Um, it's not it's, as bad as Jai Courtney in Die Hard 5. I, well, I was actually going to talk about, I was actually going to say Scream 3. Scream 3, yeah, had something to Bob. That just wasn't. It just didn't live up. But it had Jane and Bob. I don't care. It doesn't make it good. Jane and Bob makes anything good. I mean, the thing about Scream is really you were missing the main element from Scream Three, which was Kevin Williamson. Yeah. Because he wrote the original two, and he didn't write the third. And goddamn, he made a good script. Well, I mean, you're gonna have any any movie series that. And it was the proven when they made Scream Four, because Scream Four was fantastic. Exactly. Form. Any, I think any movie series that loses the original writer is always going to lose a little bit of form. And you look at the, the Lethal Weapon movies, first Lethal Weapon was one of the best action movies of all time. Really? Hands down. Scripted by Shane Black, who's doing the new Predator movie, by the way. Writing and directing. I don't know that I want to see a new Predator film, though. But I mean, we're obviously getting a new... Um, you know, we're getting a new Alien film yeah. this year. Um, what did you think of Prometheus? I mean, if you if you watch any of the series on YouTube, uh, you've got what's been dubbed the Prometheus School of Running, <laughs> which is basically anyone running slow, running away slowly from something you should be doing the best impression of Usain Bolt. Um, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a bad movie. But I didn't hate Prometheus. I, I don't understand hate, the hatred for hate it. it. I didn't hate it. It just didn't live up to the expectation. But for was me. it ever going to? I don't know. Cause, I mean, this is a film I've wasted 30 years for. Mm. Since since Ridley Scott first took us into that universe. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it was kind of... I, I think, waited against that. Could it ever live up to that? To I mean, my there, own there, there were two rules, really when it came to making a new Alien film because God knows after um, was it Alien Resurrection that was the final one yeah you know and that was universally panned to us at least to my knowledge anyway no one liked it and Alien 3 was bad enough but Alien Resurrection was god awful Alien 3 could have been good if he'd left David Fincher do what he wanted and that's the sad thing because David Fincher's a good director and he's a fantastic director this is the guy who gave us you know Fight Club um Wrote that down. We need to fit. We need to that as well. Games Fight Club, Gamers Zodiac. Um, Didn't he direct the, the Social Network? He did direct the Social Network. He's given us some fantastic movies. And look at this camera work. His camera work is, is Panic Room. Another one. Yes. 
Yeah, uh, his camera work on that way, he actually goes through the inner workings of, oh, of a God, lock. yeah, that was good. And it's yeah. amazing. And if you think about that kind of camera work, and if he'd been allowed free reign in the alien universe, what could he have done? I mean, we, we all, a lot of us said, anyway, well, I say we all said, this was very much me talking like, you know, I'm some big film snob here, but we all said, look, there's two rules that we have to follow when we're seeing a new alien film. It's got to be directed by Ridley Scott, and it's got to be a prequel. We don't want to see any more sequels, and we don't want to see it if Ridley Scott is not doing it. Ridley Scott is the godfather of these films, and we've got exactly what we wanted, and yet people couldn't write a bitch about it enough. I think possibly if Cameron, James Cameron, left his fucking blue aliens alone for half an hour, oh, he yeah. could have maybe done something. That was an interesting film, actually. That wasn't terrible. That um, that was the one about um, Kevin Costner who meets um, a series of Indians, isn't it? Oh no, no, I'm sorry. No, that's that aliens. Was, no, I'm sorry. That was Dance with Wolves. The Avatar just completely ripped off. So I have no reason to see Avatar. In fairness, Avatar also ripped off Last of the Mohicans. Last of the Mohicans. Sorry, Last of the Mohicans. Mo- Last of the Mohicans. That was it. Not Dance with Wolves. Last of the Mohicans. Pocahontas. Platoon. And basically every film in the last 50 years yeah, so is what he was Screw Avatar. So, screw Avatar. Um, and fuck you for the 3D effects for selling the movie on that premise. Now, all. hang on a second here. Right, I'll give Avatar one thing, which I don't give to an awful lot of 3D films. At least, and I'm going to have to remember, at least it was submersive. I'll give it that much. I see, I, I've never seen Avatar. Never, never had any interest in Hang on, hang on, let me get this right in my head. Let's see, we've got immersive and we've got submersive. Immersive. It was immersive, wasn't it? Yeah, submersive yes. is... When it comes out in the water. Yeah, basically, for people who don't understand the difference between submersive and immersive, and I'm hoping I'm getting this right, is immersive is when it's 3D effects in the background, submersive is when it's coming towards you. At least I think I've got that right. No. Oh, in fact, know. I'm going to Google that now because I want to know the difference. The the only film I've really seen in 3D where it worked for me mm. was um, Avengers Assemble. Uh, I can't say I've seen it. I'm not a massive fan of the Avengers films, I've got to say. Well, you're not, I'm not, you're not a massive I mean, I I, I'm, I'm not, box. to be fair. No. Uh, so, immersive versus submersive. So, immersive brings you in, I think submersive goes under. 3D. Let's see what let's see what Google has to say. Um, it's probably not going to tell me that. I might have even made this up. To be fair, I think you probably have. I'm. Ho- I we really, won't hold that against them, folks. I really hope I haven't, because honestly, I've been talking about this for years. Um, uh, okay, I can't find it. We'll put this in later. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the well, I mean, for one thing, I can't watch 3D films because it screws up my eyes. Um, I tried to watch, um, I think it was Sin City Two, in 3D, and when I was watching it, I could see the green and red lines when yeah. I had 3D glasses on, and I thought, I'm convinced I'm not able to be able to see that. Yeah. And it was giving me a headache, and I was having to take the glass off every 20 minutes just to give my eyes a break. I Sin City Two, I thought was it was. It? Perfectly fine movie. I didn't see it in three times. Just downloaded it and watched it. <gasps> no, it's okay. We're, Le- we're not, legally, we're, we're not legally downloaded. That's yeah, legally downloaded. That's okay. Then. Disclaimer: 
anyway, we don't have the word BC um, who cares. But I, I mean, 3D is a, is a thing I can take it or leave it. Because 3D, I think, is a market that tried to come out, died, tried to come out, died, tried to come out and died once again. And honestly, I think it's done. I think it's finished. It, no, it's the jump scare of, of, of cinema technology. In that yeah. it will keep on coming back. I, th- I mean, I mean, but I, I don't know though because they're stopped making three D TVs. Yeah, but the, that's because of the technology and not enough people were buying them. True, true. I think you look at the last big three D. I mean, Star Wars was in three D, wasn't it? No. Did they release a Star Wars three D film? No. Could have they did. The last big, the last big three D craze before this one was late eighties. The last time so you had I, the blob. I, no, I remember. I distinctly remember there being um, a Doctor Who episode. I think it was like ninety nine or two thousand, and they made a massive deal about it. And the Radio Times gave away um, free three D glasses. Oh, was it the TV movie? It might have been, but I can't remember. I mean, it wasn't true 3D, to be fair. I mean, although really what is true 3D anyway, you know... I mean, true 3D, you're spending hundreds of thousands of pounds on the projectors, the screens, you know, the the actual technology behind it. Yeah. Uh, You're not going to get that through a late 90s true TV. No, that's very true. Yeah. No matter how much the BBC tries. (laughs) And God knows, Auntie B will try to sell us any old shite. Oh yes, um, yes. As long as they think he'll get the view numbers up. And it probably did. To their credit, it you know, probably you know, did. You know, the BBC dropped the bollock for me. The one show that they should have kept on showing every Halloween and they haven't. Ghostwatch. <laughs> yeah, but have you ever seen it? Yeah, but didn't they have to stop showing Ghostwatch because, basically, like. The they only showed it once. I, I'm. I, it might not have been Ghostwatch, but I'm sure there's some. Oh, I think it might have been Ghosthunters or something. But I'm sure the ITC basically got involved and said, "Look, you can't carry on showing this because it's not real." It's like, well, got no reason to watch You're it. You're the one with a bad feeling. <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah. No, Ghostwatch was uh, late eighties, early nineties. I was done as a live broadcast right. with Michael Parkinson. Sarah Green and her husband, I can't remember what her name was. Not a clue. Um, and it's basically this very real, very intense, kind of like the Enfield Haunting type of thing. Mm. And just keep on building up the tension throughout the show. Yeah, but we've got Darren Brown for that these days. Uh, but the thing is, they, sh- they show this as a documentary. Was it actually a documentary? It wasn't, it wasn't a documentary, it was a performance. It right. Was, it was meant to be a Halloween performance. But they marketed it as a doc, doc as a straight out documentary. Mm. So people were buying into this. And I, I actually watched it and it was terrifying. A seat of your pants, edge of your seat, terrifying. I ended up with a. What was the name? The husband? Basically, go into a cupboard and Sarah Green just screaming his name, and that's it. It cuts to black. Oh, Michael Parkins back in the studio. Oh, don't know what's happened there. I would have to got, find this on YouTube. It later. got massive, massive complaints. I can imagine because people people thought it was real. 
and it was the most intense viewing experience to watch it live on TV. What well, well, I thought it, I don't know if it was live or if it was pre-recorded or or what, mm. but it was genuinely tense. Even though at the back of your mind, you know, this is all put. Yeah, all, it's all a show. There's still a party. I think. What if it isn't? <laughs> what if it's actually happened? Yeah. What if it's all true? Yeah. So there's always that bit of tension, and that's just for me. BBC really dropped the ball because they've never shown it since, and that was I think that was 1991. I honestly don't even remember it. I think it's, I think I'm a bit too young for that. I, I don't remember. But then again, as I said to my earlier, I had a very sheltered childhood. Um, for us, I'm uh, as we as we both discovered earlier, four years older than, uh, than Macaulay Chris. Which neither of us realised, I don't think, even though we've known each other now for yeah. 10, 11 years. Something along those lines. Um, I don't think we ever, nothing ever came up in a conversation. About it. No. I always just assumed you were, you were closer to my age because <laughs> you were as grumpy as me. <laughs> so, okay, moving away from horror films for a moment, do you like any kind of rom com films? I do, now and again. Um, if only so we can laugh at how silly people are for buying into them. I mean, I, I gotta say, I, I, I wept on so many films last year. I mean, one of the films that really, well, not necessarily that were released last year, but definitely had an impact on me, um, was, uh, it was one called The Fault in, the Fault in Our Stars. And honestly, it got me. It oh, really this, did. This is the girl cancer who, yeah. That's right, yeah. And it got, it Wasn't got... Wasn't that last year or the year before? I think it might have been the year before that, you know. And... As far I mean, it kind of got slammed a bit because it was all a bit hokey and all a bit. Like, oh, it's, it's, but you know, it's the twilight of romantic comedies. Folks, <laughs> you can't see this. If if you could see this, you would Fuck see it. You <laughs> comparing Twilight to the Fault in Our Stars? <laughs> How very dare you? It wouldn't apologize, bitch. Okay, I apologise to fans of Fault and Our Stars for comparing this to Twilight, and vice versa. Thanks. Actually, okay. no, I apologise to no fans of Twilight, because fuck you, quite <laughs> frankly. Fuck you forever buying that pile of shite. Fuck you forever giving us the fanfics and that became Fifty Shades of Grey. Fuck you for even existing. Poor Fifty Shades of Grey. Fuck you! <laughs> And I gotta say, I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's difficult to, to, to rile off all the films that I love, but I yeah, there's just something about those films that really gets me these days, and I don't know why. I mean, I can watch I can watch a film, any film with Jennifer Aniston. She is my guilty player. She is she is my favorite friend. Must love dogs. No, actually, Are she, I, she must I love dogs. No, she wasn't. That was uh, that was the only thing, wasn't it? Uh, possibly. What was the one about the dog that died? Marley and Me? Marley and Me, that was it, yeah. I haven't seen that. <laughs> okay, I can watch most films. Name me another good one. Horrible Bosses. Uh, yeah, she wasn't terrible, actually, thinking about it. She wasn't bad at that, to, be, to her credit. And she was very good in Office Space, as we previously discussed. She was very good in Office Space, and she was also very good in... Um, I think, what was it called? Meet the Robinsons or something? Um, I didn't see it, but it looked. Uh, well, she played a stripper. She's a stripper. She was <gasps> a stripper. My God, it might be worth watching. And she she does a very sexy pole dance. Oh, 
Trust me, definitely worth watching. <laughs> oh, we're the Millers. That's it. That's the name of it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Meet the Robinsons was an entirely different film. I remember Derek talking about that now. That was a cartoon, I think. No, it was a genuine film. It oh, was, it was, was a real-life film, from what I remember. Oh, maybe it was. <laughs> Folks, I can I can very rarely tell what's real life and what's not anymore. I think you might need some medication for that, sir. So we'll it's because of the medication. We'll get you a doctor book on Monday. Um, so, yeah, this is what we do, basically, folks. We do tend to ramble on a little bit, and we rarely stay on topic. Um, and, I mean, I don't know how long we want to keep going for. We've already done about an hour so far. And if you are still listening, thank you very much. Well done. You know, um, so I think, where do we want to, you know, what, what do we see us doing in the future? I mean, what... It's a tough question. I mean, the, the I, thing is, as I said at the beginning, the as, main thing as long as they keep on making movies, we all keep on talking shit about them. I think. I think as long as people keep making films, we probably will watch it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we probably should talk about more modern movies because we we tend to talk about films I think that you know are at least a good three or four years old, if not older. Yeah. I think the most recent film we talked about was Green Room. It was, yeah. Um, Although we have we have discussed, it, but we haven't. Publish that one yet? We have discussed Logan. Yes, we did. We do need to finish uh, Logan off actually because we spent 50 minutes just talking about the cast. Yeah. <laughs> We've not even talked about the film yet. It's probably going to be three hours long. Um, Come on, soon. Direct this cut. <laughs> what do you. No, we'll not talk. No, we'll not talk about Logan. We'll not talk about Logan at all. Okay. Um, yeah, we all, I mean, we all, I think we all kind of. We'll try and do variances on. You know, you already discussed you want to do a, a, a clue podcast. Yeah, I think we should because I mean I've already covered that, but I think it'd be interesting talking to we're talking about with I, as well. I I can watch any Tim, any film with Tim Curry or Madeline Kahn. It's such a quotable movie. It's yeah. just so wonderful. I mean, I love the the trilogy of endings. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't know if, I don't know if people know this clue. Obviously, based on the board game. And it was actually the very first movie based on a board game of any type. And so we can kind of not really thank them for the likes of Battleship and... Yeah. It's a very dry comedy, ultimately, isn't it's a, it? It's a very, very dry comedy, but I think the cast is Because it's, it's not laugh-out-loud funny, but it's hilarious in its own right. Oh, no, there are, there are moments where I've laughed out loud, just how... Kind of ridiculous the whole premises. I mean, just Tim Tim Curry's responses are just classic. I mean, it's a stupid bomb, but one of my favourite is one of like, "I'm not shouting, okay, I am. I'm shouting, I'm shouting, I'm shouting." <laughs> just stupid, but I just love it. And honestly, I think it's one of those films where, because you know, rather like Mike said, that you grew up with um, with the Blues Brothers. That was a film that me and my sister grew up with. I yeah. mean, we watched it virtually every weekend, and we loved it every single minute. Yeah. And she bought it for me on DVD a couple of years ago, and honestly, the minute I watched it, it was like... It just sits you back. Yeah, and I remembered every single line. Yeah. You know. I mean, I, I watched it again recently for the first time in probably 20 years, and... Like, you know, I, I can't say I remember every single line, but I remember the, the basic premise behind it. I remember who the characters were, who the actors were. Oh, Leslie Ann Warren, what a fine, fine <laughs> And she's still a fine looking woman. I've got to say, Madeline Khan, unfortunately, no longer with us. Tim Curry's. Is she not, dead? 
Marlon Thomas being dead since 1994. Well, I didn't realise that. Yeah. Then again, I've never been to the top of the beer or anything for anybody. Uh, well, I have. Um, uh, Tim Curry's unfortunately not been well the last few years. He's yeah. had a stroke. But such a fine cast of actors. You've got Christopher Lloyd was good in there. Um, Martin Mull. I was struggling to remember who the other actors were. To Martin Mull, was it? I can't remember because I don't. The thing is. They don't seem to be a particular cast that really. T- I mean, you if, if, if you're a massively famous cast, if, if you were to ask me, if you were to say to me, right, without knowing any of the background of any of the characters, massively, if you said to me, which two characters would you say, which two actors rather would you say went on to make it big, it would be Tim Curry and Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. I don't know anything but about saying that. Else I, think was in it. I think Tim Curry was already big before that. You've already had the likes of Rocky Horror. Mm. Um. When was it made? It was made. Was that prize early ninety? It was after Clue. Yeah. But he'd already had a few big films under his belt by that point. He was already a, quite a, quite a popular stage actor as well. And it had um uh, uh leaving in it. Leaving, yes. Uh, Great name. As, as leaving as Mr. Body. Yeah, so it was, it was kind of this like Mr. Body leaving. Yeah. Um, which was which, which, which was a. The best bit of stunt casting. Oh, he was fantastic. He really was brilliant. And let's face it, he knew that's why he cast him. I mean, the thing is with Clue, right, is if you've not listened to my previous review, you know, please do if you haven't, but we are going to talk about it soon, I think, because I want to watch it again now, quite frankly. (laughs) But the thing is, and I know we say this every single week, but with Clue, it is a film you have to see before you hear anybody talk about it. Not because it will necessarily ruin it for you, in terms of spoilers or giving away the game, but just because it's so joyful to enjoy for the first time. Yeah, it is. I mean, joyful for the first time or the or the fiftieth time. Yeah. Um, it's it's not something that you're going to watch every time and go, oh, I've never seen that before. But there will be moments that you've chuckled in one show and that you haven't chuckled in another, and you know bits that you pick up on not yeah. necessarily that yeah, new, I agree. but yeah. because you've forgotten about them that they, they seem fresher mm. and as I say it's been probably 20 years or more since I last watched it until until very recently I enjoyed every minute of it I actually went on after that to watch another film called I don't know if, you, don't know if you've ever heard of this one Johnny Dangerously was that the one with um, Rowan Atkinson no uh, no, that's Johnny, no, that's Dangerous. Johnny, that's Johnny English. Johnny English. Johnny yeah. Dangerously had Michael Keaton. That's right, yes. The reason why Johnny Dangerously rings a bell with me because apparently um, uh, Paul Heyman used to look like um, Johnny Dangerously. Oh, Dan- character, and that's and where he got Paul e. Dangerously yeah, from. Yeah. Yeah. We, so need to do a, we need to do a wrestling podcast at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I think that's a good time to stop, really, isn't it? Because I think we are definitely well over the hour threshold, I and think, Michael's got to... I think we are getting on to the point now where we are just rambling. We are just rambling, which is basically what we do anyway. So, listen, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please no. listen to the other podcasts. Please do leave us a rating on iTunes, because we are on iTunes now. Please consider subscribing. Um, I don't think there's a subscription thing on um, SoundCloud. If there is, please do so. And, hey... Thank you for listening, and thank you for joining me live, Mike. It's been fantastic, and we have to do this again. I would say so, and I'd say if we do 
you have an idea recently to do an actual live, not a live broadcast, but live broadcast while we're watching a movie. Yeah, sort of, sort of doing the viewers commentary. Yes, yeah. So I think if we try and do something like that at some point. And I think um, we're also well, at least I thought about this. I don't know if I mentioned it to you, but also doing um, get reactions on films. Like going to see the new Alien film, going to see the Saw film, and then effectively going for a coffee straight after the film and talking about it there and then to yeah. get our true first Just impressions. Just the first impressions rather yeah. than, letting rather than letting thinking letting about letting it. Letting you a bit and, yeah. Yeah, I think that would be a good thing to do. That would be, be a good thing to do. It would be quite interesting. And we do have other plans. We are planning on doing a series of films. Uh, we want to do... Um, the rest of um, the Viewer Skew universe. I would like to do the Freak on Nexus trilogy. Uh, I would love to do the Beverly Hills Cop trilogy, and um, I would personally like to do the Gun trilogy. Yeah. So we've got a lot in the works, um, one way or the other. Uh, the question is, folks, who's going to die first, us or you, before we can all these go? We'll be around for a while, with any luck. <laughs> well, Hopefully, nobody dies. We're going to leave it there. But thank you very much for listening, guys. Good night.